and welcome to the Neurodivergence and Mental Health Podcast. My name is Sally Nilsson and I'm a psychotherapist, published author, public speaker and mum. I discovered my autism and ADHD aged 56 in March 2021 and having rewritten my life story, I'm on a quest to advocate for neurodivergent community. I hope you enjoy listening to my incredible guests sharing their experiences of autism, ADHD, dyslexia, dyspraxia, dyscalculia, Tourette's and OCD. We talk about growing up, education, work and personal stories and how mental health has played its part in shaping lives. Our conversations cover spectrums, traits, challenges, acceptance and successes. So sit back, relax and find out what it means to feel, think and be different in a neurotypical world. Hello and welcome to the Neurodivergence and Mental Health podcast. I'm Sally Nilsson and today I'm absolutely delighted to meet Melly Moore. Great to meet you, Melly. Great to meet you too, Sally. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> You're very welcome. And um, I, I absolutely love Melly. I don't know how many of um, our listeners have come across you yet. You're quite, you're relatively new. Um, but what's been happening is uh, I've been seeing you on all my platforms. I can't, I can't get away from you. You keep popping up with your lovely smiley face, full of confidence, full of the passion to want to support us ADHD lot, get us feeling better, improving our mental health. So we're going to find out all about what you do. So um, what I'd like to do, if I may, is um, I'll ask you to just introduce yourself, where you live and what you do in the area of neurodivergence, please. Sure, I'm Melly Moore. I'm from Montreal, Canada, Quebec. So I'm far away from you, Sally. You are, it's wonderful. <laughs> so yeah, I decided to open a TV show on YouTube about ADHD and mental health awareness because I was like in a very hard period in my life. I couldn't find any job because of COVID. It was like a very depressed moment of my life. And I decided instead of doing nothing, why not just doing a show and sharing my story as well? So I decided to open uh, an account on LinkedIn. I already had an old account long time ago that I haven't touched it. I had more than 5,000 people in it that I don't know. And I was like, I need to refresh that and make it brand new. So I just make another account. And I decided to share my story. And it's going to be my my first year of LinkedIn, if I'm not wrong, the 15th of April. So, now <laughs> so I have more than 3,000 people following me right now, and I hope to have more, of course. But I'm so happy that because the people are really engaging with my videos and when I'm in live on LinkedIn and YouTube, people are always coming, asking questions to the guests. And it's already it's always fun because I'm inviting guests that are very different from me so we have interesting conversation about mental health and neurodiversity so it's very cool and I really like doing what I do and I had my first sponsor last month and I'm just like yay let me just <laughs> ask you about that sponsor because that's quite interesting um I have just been downstairs because I'm I'm an ADHD and uh for me coffee makes me go to sleep sugar makes me crash so 
I, I've just um, downed a small sugar-free Red Bull with the hope that it's going to give me some energy because I'm absolutely knackered at the moment. But you've got a special energy drink and I think they're your sponsor. What's it called and does it work for ADHD? It does work. I'm not saying it's a magic pill. So if you use a medication, still use it. It's not going to interfere with your medication anyway. And it's just going to help you just focus better and relax your brain for the other things that you're thinking in your day. And yes, there's one version with caffeine when you're in a crash at, a, at the middle of the day and you need just to get up. And at the same yeah. time, you still need to focus at the same time. You don't want to sleep because yes, caffeine sometimes makes me sleep, but not all the time. But with, this one is made with other ingredients that helps uh, focus at the same time because the problem with ADHD or any neurodiversity that needs to have difficulty with focus it's simply that you're tired but at the same time your brain is tired too so it's making your your body and your brain wake up but at the same time it makes the, the other sound around you quiet so oh, I like the sound of that so what's it called zero b zero db like db the sound okay so zero db i'm gonna have a look at that because um, you know, I'm not on meds. That's just my choice. But the thing, you know, the thing is, is, you know, it would be so nice just to have something occasionally to give me a bit of a boost, because I at certainly this time of the afternoon and it's three o'clock here and 11 o'clock in Quebec, three o'clock in the afternoon, I, I die. I take a nosedive. So, um, so Melly, um, your um, ADHD, we've got that. Do you have any other co-occurring conditions? I love to ask my guests that because that brings up lots of wonderful, wonderful differences that us neurodivergent lot have. How about you? I have anxiety and I always had anxiety when I was a kid and everything like that. But I think COVID and being lack of money, having problem with that kind of field gave me even more anxiety, even more stress. I feel like you just pop up from not nowhere, but even worse than it was before. And it's mostly because I don't know what's going to happen now. There's a war, will be oh, war, and yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Everything that's happening around me is very stressful. And sometimes I'm so stressful that I cannot work because I just can't focus, you know? And as ADHD with anxiety is like more impossible to focus. And this calms you down as well. Uh, yeah, well, I, well, and that is good. But the thing is, is um, as a psychotherapist, I, you know, I, you know, I work with stress, anxiety, and depression. And then what we use to cope when we can't cope with stress, anxiety, and depression. But it layers up. And when the different stresses and anxieties layer up, then we head for meltdown and burnout. But do you find that when things layer up, so it could be the war, it could be maybe uh, we don't like the way we look, work isn't going very well, we've had an argument with someone. Do, have you ever got to the point of burnout? Of course, I had meltdown when I was a teen, when I was a kid, and sometimes my mom was like, I don't know what to do. And she was just leaving the where I was, you know, she was just going out the door because she didn't know what to do. And she let me cry by myself, you know, and, be, and it can be very scary for other people to see you like crying for no reason, because for them it's for no reason. And sometimes you don't know why you cry and why you feel like that. You have no reason, you, have, you don't know why 
you don't see the reason behind it. And when you stop crying and you feel a bit better, you realize the reason afterwards. But if somebody's around you and ask what's wrong, what's wrong, you sometimes you don't know what's wrong yourself. Your body knows, but you don't know yet, you know. I, I totally understand that. And um from from because uh, I'm autistic as well, and and I, I know that ADHD people and autistic people can have alexithemia, which is or thymia, however you want to pronounce it, apples, pears, I don't care, you know, whatever. Um, but basically, um, alexithymia is when you, you don't recognize your feelings and you might something might happen on a Monday morning, but you don't get the feeling of it until Thursday afternoon. So Thursday afternoon, all of a sudden you have a burnout, a meltdown, or you're emotionally deregulated and you've got absolutely no idea whatsoever where it's come from, but it could have come from what happened a few days before. We're a bit difficult like that, aren't we, with our emotions? But let's crack on, because um, I've got lots of wonderful things to ask you. Um, <laughs> Okay, so um, if you're happy to tell us how old you are, that'd be lovely. But what I just want to find out with you, Melly, is uh, when did you discover your ADHD and what was your assessment and diagnosis journey like? Oh, nightmare. <laughs> Another one. <laughs> what happened? When I was a kid, my when I was in preschool, you know, my mom bring me to an English school, okay, because my mom is English more it's not actually my father's name. So I use my mother's name in English platform because it's way easier for people to pronounce. So my mother is an English speaker and she was, she told, why not teach her English? You know, English is important too. You, she's living in a French environment. Why not? I'm allowed to bring her to English school. So why not? Yeah. But the teacher, oh my God, the teacher, you know, I have ADHD, so I was moving around, you know, I, yeah. doing a lot of noise you know compared <laughs> to the other kids I was not able to sit down still listening to the teacher anything like that so that teacher oh my goodness sometimes she strapped me on a chair she put me on the chair and she was putting a rope and she said don't move no, that's terrible and Melly she was doing that and that's traumatizing me I didn't want to speak English for years because for me that's a bad bad that's terrible trauma now, yeah, and that teacher was very old and old school, you know, and she was like always calling my mom to get me at school because I was not listening and she couldn't cope with me, you know, and I was not a bad kid, you know, I was not putting fight or anything. I was just moving too much and bringing too much air to the class, you know, and after that, she says she should go. She, she she used the word retarded, by the way, and she said she yes. should go check kid out, you know. And she made me, and that teacher made me go to another class. So I missed a year of school. I didn't miss a year of school, but in the curriculum of school, it makes me lose a year, okay? Because yes. she makes yeah, me yeah. go to a special class before going to the first grade in the primary school, okay? So she made me lose a year for that, which I couldn't do all my years because I did all my years normally or almost normally after that. And yeah, so they put me directly on meds when I was a kid and I didn't so want to how old meds. were you? How old were you when they said to you, you're ADHD and here's medicine? Probably five or six. All right, okay. Yeah, I, I, and actually in the UK, Melly, 
that's that's when they tend to to do things with kids in the UK is six um, six years old. And so with meds, just asking you about that, the meds that they put you on when you were six, are you still on the same meds? What's your meds um, journey like? Uh, how old are you now, if you don't mind me asking? Thirty-three. You're not thirty-three. I definitely am thirty-three. You are not was... thirty-three. You look, yeah. you look twenty-one. For goodness sake, you make me. I think. was born in eighty-eight. Oh my gosh, you're amazing! <laughs> I think you you look absolutely fantastic. So um, yeah. So how is your? I know this wasn't the question, but it's just come in naturally. How how has your meds journey changed from age six to age thirty-three? Oh, I stopped meds when I was fourteen, and I didn't see any difference with before and after. So the meds didn't re really work. My mom said yes, but I think it's more like a placebo effect than a real effect because I didn't really see an, a big difference, and I was able to finish high school without them. So yes. I don't think it's necessarily what was needed for me. It was more in a smaller class. When I was in secondary one and two, I was in a special class, but I was doing my real secular, you know, I was doing really one and two, but in smaller class for one teacher. And it was for people that had difficulty with learning disorder. So there yes. was a lot of other people in that class that had difficulty, you know? And that helped me a lot after I was able to do my three and my four. And I, I, I decided to, to abandon school at four, be, uh, the, the, the fourth class, because I was really not good. I was not understanding anything. And I, was, I, was, I did my four and my fifth in adult school, where you, yes. they give you books and you do whatever in your time you need to do. You can take 10 years if you want to. And I finished at the same time that the other student finished their secondary five. The same here that they did. And I did but it worked better for you then. Was it, was it a better place for you when you yeah. went and, and you did it like that? And that's very good. But um, I did see earlier when I was just doing a little bit of research before we came on air today um, about you being uh, bullied. And, and you know, I, I was bullied terribly. I mean, I have to say, looking back, it was character building. Um, the adversity of the bullying that I experienced made me strong and made me resilient and made me very compassionate to other people that were bullied. Tell me a bit about what, what that was like for you at school, Melly. Uh, I think I was bullied a little bit more in primary school because my mom was working at school at the same school. So I didn't think, I think it was one of the reason too, mostly that my diversity in high school, I was a little bit less bullied. I was still bullied, but less because I was in a special class. So other person like me was there, you know? Yeah. So we, we understand ourselves. Of course, there were some fights and some problems. Yes. But when I look back and I see some teen movies from the US, I was not bullied like that, okay? It was not that terrible, you know? <laughs> I was, Melly. I was. We have two shows in the UK, an old one from the 70s called Grange Hill. And then uh, there's a new one called Waterloo Road. And uh, my secondary school was rough. It was rough. And, and my mum put me in there with a nice speaking voice, a show off materialistic honestly I was a, an awful person really and uh so I got ripped to pieces emotionally not uh, physically I might add but it was horrible so um so how old were you when you finished school 18 
So, all right, so you were 18. So, you know, uh, it wasn't like you finished at 15. So um, how was your mental health at that point? It was good because I was leaving a toxic environment at, out at home because I was going to Ontario study. <laughs> yeah, and what were you, and so you, you moved to Ontario to study, did you? Yeah, but I didn't finish. So what, what did you do then? What, um, what um, subjects did you love or what, what was becoming your passion and your special interest at 18? And go away from my stepdad that was the main thing I wanted to do as far as possible <laughs> and yeah and I'd like photography and art and I did study there but it was not it was not made for me because it was it was like class with a lot of assignments stuff like that I was not used to that and yeah it didn't really work very well for that and I couldn't finish but you know, that's what happened sometime. And after I did, I had to go back to my at my mom with my stepdad for another year and a half after that. And I did uh, a technical school in graphic designer and I did finish this one because that class again, when you go to uh, technical studies, normally it's people that have difficulty to learn that go to those places, you know, in Quebec, yeah. it's like that, because it's not like a university, college, etc. So it was smaller class again, I was able to finish that. So you, um, you know, I don't want to ask anything that you don't feel comfortable talking about, but it's only because you've said with quite a lot of animation, I wanted to get away from my stepdad and then I had to go back and see my mom and be with my stepdad. And uh, I don't need to know the details as such, but when were you finally able to leave home and get away with this person that it doesn't sound like you like very much? But it's more, it's not that I don't like him or whatever. It's only that he didn't know how to deal with me. And he was going so, he, 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 he got rage sometimes. And sometimes he was so mad and he couldn't just deal with me. So that's mostly the problem. It was not, he was not beating me up, you know, but he was very, he was very uh, mouthly, not very, he was a bully sometimes to me, you know, and it was quite terrible to live with that, to always have somebody, oh, you're not good doing this, you're not good, that's not good, why are you always staying in your room, you're always on your computer, and he was always criticizing everything that I was doing, so that put the toxic environment that in it you know that's very that's like, very hard isn't it and i yeah. mean you're adhd and uh i'd like to ask you the question um was your stepdad neurotypical and um, um you know did you have other family members who had adhd because it is about 80 percent genetic isn't it and um, maybe my mom maybe but it's not like me you know nobody is like me at all okay the only person that's close is my cousin, but is a non-verbal autistic. So it's very not the same at all, you know, be with a non-verbal and ADHD like me, you know, it's very different and we don't, we don't at all is the same. You know, my cousin is like my, my mother, sister, you know, so yeah. But it's funny because uh, <laughs> it, is, it couldn't be more opposite, but you're still both neurodivergent. So you're still living with a different wiring system. But do you think your stepdad might have been neurotypical? 
I mostly think I'm not going to go too much in that subject because it is live. I and think, that is yeah, okay. No, no, I, I think... Yeah, we'll skip on. We'll skip on to that one because the only reason I ask that is because my mum was neurodivergent and my dad was neurotypical, and they're both gone now. You know, they're they've both mm -hmm. died, but um, it was very difficult because if my mum couldn't handle me she passed me over to my dad and that was terrible because he was neurotypical so it, it you know it was a bad situation that that happened because he didn't understand me and I would get very very emotionally dysregulated so it was hard so after um, after you'd been to different colleges and you were becoming a an adult um what did you do did you you know how did you get into the workplace what sort of jobs did you have always uh, freelance because I couldn't really keep a job at that moment and when you're you have ADHD sometimes you're a little bit like late on certain development of your brain you know so and sometimes it's hard you you don't take the life as seriously that you do now so maybe that's one of the reasons you know but yeah it was always sometimes it was hard because the the workplace was not adapted for my diversity and I've worked some to a place that was like open space all the time and was like oh my goodness and people was always talking running walking around etc etc so it wasn't really a nice place for me to be for that it was a good job experience the people were very nice but I was not talking about it very much my neurodiversity anyway because people always told me to not talk about it and it must have been difficult, Melly, because um, I, I'm, a, I'm a complete paradox because uh, I, maybe because I'm autistic and ADHD, I keep, think, I fight myself all the time and, you know, and I used to like an open plan office and I love space. I don't like shut doors. I like lots of air, lots of light, lots of sky. And I do like that, but I know that a lot of neurodivergent people have a big, big problem with big open plan offices with their sensory needs, you know, with the lighting, the noise, the people, maybe people going behind you, mm -hmm. people on the phone and all this sort of stuff. And what you're saying that you just found that too difficult, did you? Yeah, it was very hard. And that's why I decided to freelance. I know from reading your profile that you can help people with WordPress, uh, WordPress. Yeah. But the thing is, I mean, this is what we're all trying to do who are advocating in our community. We're saying, look, you know, we don't need many accommodations. The help that you can give me can be very, very small and it will benefit everybody. But you have some challenges, but nevertheless, your enthusiasm, your your work ethic, uh, the way you work hard, you have a beautiful um, personality, you're smiling and so enthusiastic. I mean, you've got a, a huge amount to offer. But what, where, you know, if you woke up tomorrow, this is a question I ask my clients, if you woke up tomorrow and a miracle had happened and you could have exactly what you wanted, Melly, within the workplace, what would it be like for you? What sort of job would you have? And what would your what would your work be like? Of course, it would be like creative, like website design, yeah, social media management, and things like that, of course. But it will be like a closed space where I can have flexible hours. So if I feel too tired, I can leave and nobody's going to tell me that I didn't do enough work. 
and yeah they're i know there's going to have deadlines but if the deadlines are me met why should i not leave one hour sooner if i feel too tired and start one hour earlier in the next morning you know it should be and it shouldn't be like always full-time because for me full-time job is like an almost impossible task for me yeah. to do not only because i have this show but also because my attention span is very lower yeah and it's very hard for me to stay there eight hours and i just sometimes i just want to go home and relax i cannot just take a nap and at work you know even if i have one hour break it's not enough most of the time and 15 minute breaks neither I don't know, I don't know how ADHD, ADHD people can take a nap anyway. I mean, if I lay down on the sofa and it's even if it's nice and warm and everything else, I've got computer brain. So it's, you know, I'm thinking, oh, no, there's a crack on the wall. What am I going to eat for dinner? Um, somebody <laughs> didn't like my post this morning. And, uh, you know, it's all that sort of thing. What was your sleep like? My sleep is pretty good, but what you said, I think it's more anxiety than ADHD. Because for me, when I have anxiety, I think about all the bad things that happened, like my posing and got likes, nobody likes me, nobody cares about me. For me, that's anxiety speaking. Yes. But when I don't have that anxiety and I'm only ADHD and I'm tired, I'm sleeping, okay? I know that's rare. Yeah. But if I'm tired, I'm going to sleep and everybody in my entourage will tell um, the people that knows me going to say that if I'm tired I'm going to sleep anywhere that's a sofa anywhere I'm going to sleep. Us ADHDers um, you know we have particular traits you know ADHD is a spectrum it's different every everybody is completely different so one of my uh, well my things are is uh, impulsivity I'm pretty bad with carbs and sugar cravings and I'm not great with rejection and criticism, which is called rejection sensitivity dysphoria. Um, but, you know, and I get distracted and I can be inattentive. How about you? What, what would you say within your own spectrum, which traits are the most challenging apart from anxiety that are directly related to ADHD? Uh, concentration, not being able to do all the work and I wish I can do, but I just can't. That's why I was able to get an intern, so non-paid intern for now, to help me with all the things I'm not good at, like English writing. So I'm quite grateful for that, that I got that intern that is working so hard for me right now, and I'm so grateful that I have him. There, there was, uh, when I discovered my ADHD, mm -hmm. I, um, I came across uh, Edward Halliwell, who wrote the book um, ADHD 2.0. I'm not, I'm not so good at reading nowadays. I prefer to listen to things on audiobook. And I oh, listened yeah. to his audiobook, ADHD 2.0. And I have to say, Melly, it was absolutely brilliant to focus and direct into my particular traits I was having difficulty with and you know you're talking about anxiety and having insecurities about the situation that you're in well he he does give incredibly good advice about how to try and help distracting yourself in particular ways you know so that you're not um one of the things he said that I think might be um, a little bit helpful because you're talking about intrusive thoughts, which is when you're stressed and when you're feeling anxious. And these intrusive thoughts, they tend to happen when things are still for a moment. 
So you're busy, you'll be busy, 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 and then you'll go quiet. And in that quiet time is when the intrusive thoughts can come in sometimes. So what, what are your sort of main go-to distractions? What will you do to distract yourself, to stop yourself from having intrusive thoughts? Go to the gym, probably go and get a big run. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do, actually. I try to go to the gym, like I said, I try to lose weight. And going to the gym helps me a lot with my anxiety and my concentration as an ADHD person. So it's really, mirac it's not miraculous, but it really helps a lot. And I really, I would suggest, suggest to anyone that's living with the anxiety to go take a run and it really helps clearing the mind that's what I do and it's sometimes a really, it is a really good idea and sometimes if you shake your senses about a bit and use as many senses as you can so um I agree with you but um I my ankles are terrible so I can't I can't run anymore so much but I can walk so what I what I tend to do is um, I'll go for a good walk but I'll put a podcast on my headphones so that I, that's something separate coming in and then I'll go out in nature. So I'll make sure the walk has got a lot of, um, you know, a, a lot of stimulation. So mm -hmm. I might go cloud gazing or I might walk in the woods or even in a busy shopping mall. You know, it, it, it just depends. But it's it's making sure that there's different senses that you're using smell, sight, you know, and, and sound. Um, and then touching the ground, grounding yourself to try and help you with your ADHD. So, so the gym, I mean, this was one of my questions for you, actually. The gym um, and, you know, running, uh, they are very, very important to you. Um, are they your main special interests and hobbies? Or, or apart from the podcast, do you have any other special interests or hobbies that you, that you really love? I like to write. I actually am writing a new book about ADHD right now. And I think I'm going to release chapter by chapter on my Buy Me A Coffee Patreon page. It's a page where you can subscribe monthly or simply giving a donation. And I'm writing an uh, ebook right now. I'm sometimes, like I said, planning. Sometimes it's just fun, even if I'm not always using my planner. Just put stickers there and it calms me down to listening to music obviously and sometimes I'm a most of the time I'm going to say is watching movies or a series but you know when I some people say so you you lose your time doing that but anyway I won't be able to work anyway so it doesn't change anything about my time span you know and yeah so that's mostly what I do <laughs> So um, in your um, in your the story of, of your life, you know, the the journey in your ADHD life and the reason that you um, decided to come up with the ADHD Melly show. Um, what was it? What you know, what happened to you that day when you had a light bulb moment and you thought to yourself, you know, to tell us that story about how this started how long ago was it and uh what what made you think that you would be able to do it i don't know i'm spontaneous i just do it because i want to do it <laughs> actually i don't really think i just do when i want to do and i the first may of last year i decided to buy a diamond for the adhd Millie show 
And that's where the ADHD militia really started to exist, you know, when I brought the domain. So it's going to be a year two that I do the ADHD militia. And yeah, I just did it because I wanted to do it. And I was like bored and nobody was talking about it. Or if they were talking about it, it was always flowers and butterflies or et cetera, et cetera. And that just annoyed me. So that's why I decided to talk about it a little bit more. <laughs> Very liberating to just talk about what I felt and my life, how it been too. Because I know at the same time that others live the same thing than I did. And it's not normal to be bullied by your stepfather because he's not happy of how you are acting or he says that you're a little kid and you're acting like a little kid. You don't have any friends and always telling you always those things, you know, all your life. And that's quite hard sometimes to just deal with it. And sometimes you don't feel safe at home just because you will always be criticized, you know. So that's a little bit of why I decided to do it. I want to show people that it's not normal certain way of behave. And that's at the same time that how you feel and how you act is normal for a person with ADHD. And it's also okay if you feel that way and you act the kind of ways too. And, well, that, and that is brilliant. And that, you know, that is advocating, that's taking action. That's not just building awareness, it's taking action. So um, tell us a little bit about some of the guests that you've had on your podcast, because our listeners might be very interested in uh, going on YouTube and, um, and, you know, seeing some of your guests. Tell me a little bit about who you've had on. I got here, I got Elise Mitchell. That is uh, somebody that does mental health and health man involved with mental health and et cetera, et cetera, that I got that person. I also got Wes Woodson that is doing some pod, some speak everywhere and he talks about anxiety, et cetera, et cetera. That's very interesting because it's an advocate with mental health as well. I got a lot of people that are very interesting. I, by the way, I got Rob too. I got a lot of people that came on my show. I just checking my phone because with with the mental health uh, with ADG forget names so of course and also I'm sorry I put you on the spot there but I tell you what Melly to make it easier anyway is I always ask my guests to please give me your links I'll send you an email about that you'll send me a photograph and your links and I'll make sure that they're on the podcast when they're there but um you know I guess one of the biggest things really um and and we're going to wrap it up in a second but I ask all my guests this Um, First of all, of course, you know, I really wish you the best of luck going into spring and summer and, uh, you know, hope that you get a lot more listeners and viewers. But this is the question. How would you like to see positive change at home, at school and in the workplace to help all neurodivergent people be included and thrive as valuable members of society? Just listen that person and and being aware of their needs. Just, you know, if it's at school, just have a chat with the student and being honest with their needs and what could make them could they make them help, you know. Now it's it's very different when when I was at school and now, you know. I know that some class are now have bicycle with desk where kids can just paddle when they're listening to the 
to the teacher, which is very cool. I hope I had that when I was a kid, you know. But when we go back to the workplace, it will be more like listening to what needs to the other's needs, like to do more part-time job and accepting that somebody needs to do part-time job because people are always like with the full-time roles all the time. So why is that difficult to hire two persons instead of only one? Why they cannot do that? I know that's a little bit a part of the money, whatever, but sometimes money doesn't count when that person knows what they're doing, you know, they're competent, you know? Yes. And then, like I said before, it's just no open space, maybe a closed office, reduced hours in the day, more break and being okay that they, are, they, they want to work at home that day because they don't feel like going to the office, et cetera, et cetera. And for me, just like working from home has been like a lifesaver. Like the, it's the only advantage of the COVID was more job. I was just thinking that, Melly, yeah. that uh, COVID, I mean, uh, the plane stopped flying, so I didn't have to hear those all the time, like great big metal pterodactyls going mm -hmm. over my head. And, um, and uh, to the point where it was so quiet, I could write poetry. And, uh, but the thing is, I, I, I think, yes, coming out of COVID, there's a lot of mental health problems, but also there's a lot of companies who are going to be much more flexible and let a lot more people work from home and do different hours and that can only benefit the neuro the neurodivergent people who need something else so I really really hope that that's going to be the case so Melly thank you so much for taking part in um in the neurodivergence and mental health podcast um you know I wish you all the best for the future and you've got so much passion and so much enthusiasm and I, I really, really hope that, you know, you can help others and get loads more guests and uh, wish you all the best. Thank you, Thank so, you so much. much. Thanks so much for inviting me, Sally. It was a great time. <laughs> You're welcome. Take care. Bye, Millie. Bye. Bye. Thank you very much for listening to the Neurodivergence and Mental Health podcast. Links and resources will be at the end in the show notes. I very much look forward to meeting you again. Thanks for listening. Bye.